0: There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Hey, today's the day. Like today is the day we've been waiting for. I know many of you guys are like, "I'm not coming to this series at all. Series at all, except today." All right, this is the talk. This is the one we've been excited about. Let me catch uh, most of you up. Uh, if this is your first time, we're in the series called Swipe Right. It's really a verse-by-verse study through the Song of Solomon. Uh, your version might say Song of Songs. This is a song that King Solomon wrote. He was the third king of Israel, and he said this is the best one. Out of the 1,005 songs that I wrote, this is my greatest hit. And in this song, it kind of follows this couple as they build a relationship, as they go through this biblical kind of courting. And we talked about that last week when we were talking about dating and what that looks like. And I believe that, that one of the greatest problems that we face today is this current model of dating that we have. And I know it was an old school, kind of a, an ancient kind of idea, but this idea of biblical courting. And if, if our young people will grab a hold of this idea now, I promise it'll set you up for success. You can go back and listen to that. But today, um, this is the talk. Like, I've been studying a lot, you know, this book over the last month or so and listening to some really great preachers and teachers bringing a word on this. But for this week, I personally really dove into my work. (laughs) Like my wife and I, we took our understanding of the Song of Solomon to an entirely new level. We spent a lot of time, energy, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Really kind of diving into what this is all about. So today we're gonna talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about You and me, let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that could be. Let's talk about sex. Um, Now, before we get into chapter four, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Song of Solomon, chapter four. Chapter three kind of sets this day up. We, We finished with it a little bit last week, but if you keep reading through chapter three, it's the wedding day. It's the wedding day. Uh, this guy's standing with 60 of his guards. This is this beautiful picture. And we talked how, you know, we, we have this idea of groomsmen and bridesmaids, and they're up here for show. But that's not what it was like back then. These guys really were protectors. They came around this man and this woman to, to make sure they never did anything inappropriate and this massive wedding procession procession happens, and they got the guys carrying the carriage on their shoulders, and talks about the, the seats are covered with this purple kind of fabric. It's just this, this beautiful picture. But in chapter four, begins to describe in detail the honeymoon night. Now, in this culture, you would not even be considered husband and wife until you consummated the marriage there was no i now pronounce you man and wife you can kiss your bride you know let's go eat cake and ice cream that's not how it worked in fact until you consummated your marriage what they would do is they'd stand at the altar and then they would go the couple would retreat into a chamber and during this day family and friends would come along and they would stand around and be like woohoo you know way to go you know, if you're in southern Israel, they'd be like, get her done, get her done, kind of thing. They're like cheering people on. How many of you guys are glad we don't do that anymore, right? That's out the window. But that's how, that's how it used to go down. And they would come out from that. It would be a week-long reception, this wedding party that would last days and days and days, even up to a week long. And so what we're about to read describes this moment where they left the altar and they went into this, this room to consummate their marriage and this went on all night long like all night long all night like lionel richie didn't come up with that all right for those of you that are my age and older this is song of solomon so that's why today's title of the message is swipe all night if you want to write that down all night long now real quick this is your first time to church number one i'm sorry Number two, somebody invited you, right? And you're like, what is going on? What are we even, can you even talk about sex in the church? And the short answer to that is yes, you can. The long answer, my longer response to that is I think all too often there are pastors that, that stand up places and they, they talk about things and preach on things and answer questions that no one's asking, and we've just decided as a church that we're really going to dive into the stuff that's plaguing our marriages, that's plaguing families and relationships. And since God's word has a lot to say about it, like the stuff that messes up our lives, then we're going to figure out what he's telling us when it comes to this topic of sex. So God's word is not just a bunch of thou shalt nots, thou shalt nots, thou shalt nots. And so the first thing I want to go on record saying is this, on behalf of God, God wants you to have amazing Sex. Write it down. He does. So there's there's that. People will say, well, what does God want for my my sex life? I believe God wants it to be jumping. I think he wants it to be awesome. I think he wants it to be unbelievable because, after all, it was a gift from God given to us for our purpose of pleasure and to be enjoyed. And the world has taken it and has perverted it it in fact there's the first gift that god gave us in the garden if you recall adam was there he was all by himself god caused him to fall into a deep sleep you know created eve out of a rib brings eve before adam and guess what she's naked so adam wakes up and there's a naked woman like right in front of him and it's not like god didn't know what was going to happen right in fact, the first job after God officiated their wedding, it was, God was the father of the bride, literally. He brings the bride before Adam, and before God, they make this covenant. He says, you know, now your job is to be fruitful and multiply, like to get it on. So that was the first job that he gave us he gave us this gift for us to use for our pleasure and our enjoyment. And some people will respond and say, Well no, no, it's just a necessary evil to bring children into the world right for procreation what like really like if that was the only purpose of it, like God could have he Adam was created from dust, he was created out of a rib he could have used any method he chose, but instead he picked a way that feels really good. And I don't, I don't think he wants us to be embarrassed by that. I really don't. Proverbs 5 18 says this, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breasts satisfy you always. That's my life verse right there. <laughs> like God designed it. And he designed us that way for it to be pleasurable and used in the right parameters, right? It is pleasurable, but here's what you need to know. It's also powerful. It's pleasurable, but it's also powerful. It's kind of like fire. We're going to use a lot of analogies like uh, having to do with fire today. But fire, you know, if we got some, some firemen or, or, or people like that, you don't just light fires anywhere you want to, right, because it's dangerous. We understand that it can be dangerous in certain arenas. You know, so the firemen aren't telling us you can't light fires there because they want to ruin our fun because, you know, they hate us. No, they're trying to keep us safe. And God gave us the parameters, the context for sex. In Genesis chapter 2, he said, here's here's what it is. Here's how to use it. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It really is as easy as that. He says, there's a man leaving his family. There's a woman that's leaving her family. The two are going to come together before God form a new family, and the two become one. In fact, Jesus affirmed this in the New Testament where he quotes it, and he adds to that, so what God joined together, let no one separate at all. It's called the marriage bed, and God goes, here's sex, here's the parameters, here's how to use it, it's it's for your pleasure, but you also need to know it's powerful. Like fire, Fire is a wonderful thing. It can heat your house, you can cook food, Right, it, it, it helps you know factories, you know, through combustion create stuff and all that that has to happen. But you take it out of that arena, you can't just oh let's light a fire here on the living room floor. It's going to burn your house down. And sex is that way too. God says, here it is. It's awesome. I invented it, but it's powerful and it's pleasurable. He says, there's rules. There's a reason for for the rules. In fact, anytime you read in Scripture where God says, you know, don't do this, don't do this, or thou shalt not, you can add to that phrase, or else you'll hurt yourself. Like, don't do this, or else you're going to get hurt. Don't hurt yourself. So that's why we're studying this in detail, because really, God wanted us to know. It's like, why why are we talking about this? Why is it even in the Bible? Well, for whatever reason, we live in this culture where, for the most part, we avoid this conversation. I don't know how you were brought up, but we didn't talk about sex in my house. Didn't talk about it. Um, We didn't talk about sex in the church. We definitely didn't talk about it in the church. So the result of not talking about it, not discussing it, not bringing it up, has been the world has picked up the slack in this discussion. And the world is now setting the standard for us on what sexuality and sex looks like. And I believe the fact that the church has been primarily silent on the subject, is a huge mistake. It's a big mistake. And I believe God wants to help redefine what sexuality is. The Bible is very vocal on it, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here we're reading this chapter that's devoted entirely to marital intimacy. Now again, God's standard in marital intimacy, all sexual sexual activity is in the context of one man, one woman in Marriage, anything outside of that is destructive. And you might push back on that and say, Colby, how do you know? Because 99%, 99 99.9% of the couples that I see that are are struggling, that are looking for divorce, that are looking for a way out, is because either one or both have decided to live outside, to step outside of God's parameters when it comes to intimacy. 99% of the time. And I think God hates the fact that the world has defined this for us. In fact, the world wants you to believe three things about sex. They want you to believe that it's nothing more than animal instinct. Have you heard that before? It's just animal instinct. You know, it's, it's the way you feel. God created, in fact, that's the excuse we use when we do any kind of sexual activity. Well, God created us this way. He wouldn't give me these feelings if I wasn't supposed to, to follow them up. Hey, if I did everything I felt like doing, I would be in jail. (laughs) I don't follow my feelings, right? I follow my my choices. You don't follow feelings. That's ridiculous to do. And if you follow your feelings, you're going to end up as a trophy in the devil's trophy case. Animals follow their feelings. We're not animals. We're humans. God created us in the image of our heavenly Father, animals follow instincts. We got we got a bunch of hunters in this church. I know if you're a hunter raise your hand. Hunters. You get this? A lot of hunters. All right, all right, a few. That's good news. That just means if there's ever a zombie apocalypse, you know, we're going to be in good shape in this church. A <laughs> lot of guys with guns, women with guns too. Women with guns too. But hunters, you guys you guys get this. Because for the most part, those big bucks, the elusive ones, the ones you want are really smart. Most of the time, they'll stand outside on the edge of the field, there'll be all these does in the field, and they're watching. They're not coming out, they're listening, you know, they're smelling, they're checking everything out. You know, they're really smart, they'll wait till nighttime to go out there, unless it's in the rut. When it's in the rut, that buck is dumber than dumb, right? He'll wander out there, oh, look at these ladies, he'll go out there, you know, nose to the ground, boom, on your wall. Dumber than dumb. And the same is true with turkeys. Turkeys, if you're a hunter, like, like, they're smart birds. They're intelligent birds. But why will a turkey come to you? Because it thinks you're a girl. <coughs> Boom, on your wall, right? Like, dumb. Listen, listen, we are not animals. If you want to act like an animal you're going to end up as a trophy. And the world would want you to believe that it's just this animalistic kind of instinct that we have. Another thing they want you to believe is that it's no big deal. Sex is no big deal. In fact, have as many partners as you want. You know, as much as you want. Live it up now, right? Because you're going to get tied down later. You know what that creates in your life? It creates just a mess. In fact, what the world doesn't tell you is that uh, and Hollywood, man, they love to push this. 91% of all the sex scenes on just television alone are with couples that aren't married, outside of marriage. And they, they, they show it as if it's this exciting thing that is fun. Oh, it's just all great. You know, it's just, it's just exciting and whatever. They don't show you the aftermath. They don't show you the tears. They don't show you the the shame, the guilt, the unwanted pregnancies. They don't show you the, the diseases that get transmitted. They don't show you that part. They want you to think, oh, it's just no big deal. And the third thing the world would have us believe is that it's an isolated event. You've heard this before. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Vegas is not going to follow you anywhere. In other words, this is just a no-strings-attached kind of sex. Well, it's not true. It's not true. What happens in Vegas actually does follow you. It follows you home. It usually um, ends up being itchy and spreads in a rash. Just saying. Let's just be honest, all right? And that's not how God designed sex. He designed it to be way more than that. It's not an isolated event. In fact, in the garden, Adam and Eve, when God put them together, said be fruitful and multiply. The word that he used for that was the word adah, which is a Hebrew word, which means it's, it's way more than physical. It's the spiritual act that God dis, de, determined that, that the act of sex would be the, the strongest bond between a husband and a wife. He said, that's the way I designed it. It's not an isolated event at all. And so, with all that in mind, what the world wants us to believe, I believe God has some different standards for us when it comes to sex. We're going to dive in to Song of Solomon, starting in chapter four. If you're there, here we go, here we go. It's going to be good. All right, Solomon starts with this. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Um, They're in the chamber here. They're getting ready to consummate the marriage. And in fact, if you remember, there are three different voices speaking in this in this song, uh, there's the guy, there's the girl, and then there's this course of friends. And for the most part, the girl does like all the talking, like 75% of the talking. The guy talks a quarter of the time until this chapter. Like in this chapter, the guy's got something to say. Like he's all excited, right? So 15 out of the 16 verses, he's doing the talking. All of a sudden, you know, he won't shut up. So here he goes. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Now that would be like this, this mountain where all these black goats would come down and kind of wander through the trails. And really what, what's going on is here, she's let her hair down. So now it's, it's coming down, it's flowing. You know, they're, they're getting ready for the process to consummate the marriage, right? Is it getting hot in here? Are you guys, whew, it's about to get hot. He says this, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. Hmm? (laughs) Not the one I would use, but coming up from the washing, which he's basically saying, hey, you brush your teeth, and he's pumped about that. Each has its twin, not one of them is alone, right? And that was probably a pretty big deal in this culture. They're like, you got all your teeth, that's awesome. So we know right off the bat she's not a hockey player. And she's not from Titusville. So that's good. That's good news. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I love Titusville. A lot of meth labs in Titusville. Just... Your lips are. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. <clears throat> Focus. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Pomegranates are this, you know, this red, rosy kind of fruit, saying your cheeks are, are rosy. He's admiring her in every way. Your neck is like the Tower of David, David uh, built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. And what he's saying there is like you're noble, you're, you're regal, you're, you're elegant. Now, what this guy is teaching us right off the bat is something that, the guys, we need to learn. He's talking to her. He's admiring her. In fact, what he's doing here, if you want to write it down, is he's affirming her. Amazing sex is affirming. In fact, before he even touches her, he says, I got some stuff to tell you. He doesn't touch her, doesn't lay a hand on her for for 11 verses in this chapter. He says, before I'm even going to do that, I want to tell you some things. Men, there's a lesson here. And that is women are greatly motivated by what they hear. Something called the the ear gate, that they're they're aroused and stimulated by the things that they hear. And this guy understands how important his words are. And maybe you already know that, but I think it bears just reminding us that it it is critical, the words that we use when it comes to godly intimacy, to speak their love language. And I, I would highly recommend that book called Love Languages, Because the the best thing that you can do in any relationship is to throw out your agenda and to serve her, to serve him, according to their love language. Now, for most guys, this is hard to do, to talk, to say things, to affirm that way. Not everyone, but for me, that's not my love language, so it's difficult for me. So even this last week, you know, I tried it out with Kristen. I'm like, you know, hey, baby, I've been studying the, the Song of Solomon and, And I quoted to her verse nine, which says, you've captured my heart, my treasure, my bride, you know, uh, one glance from your eyes. I'm like, your eyes are beautiful, they're lovely. And I'm not gonna tell you what happened, you know, from that point on, but it was a good night in Atkins' house, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And we need to learn this, guys, because all too often we'll just kind of jump in. But the first thing he does, and I think it's a huge uh, point for all of us, a good place to start is to, Affirm one another, because most of the time, our words don't. Most of the time, we tear each other down, and ladies, uh, you can affirm him too. Tell him how awesome he is. I promise it's not going to hurt his feelings. Let's keep reading. In verse five, he starts at her eyes, and then he's working his way down her body, Uh, so buckle up. Here he goes. (laughs) Your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. So this needs a little bit of interpretation, right? Because I know some of you ladies are like, what? He just call her breasts, you know, a little baby deer? And yeah, he did, okay? Um, but here's why. And, and it kind of, it means exactly what you think. Guys, if you were out in the woods and you saw two little baby deer, what do you want to do? You want to pet them. I'm serious, this is what it means. Like, you wanna, you wanna cuddle them, right? You wanna, you do, you wanna, you wanna touch them. And how do you approach, you know, two little baby deer in the woods? Like, you don't just jump up on them, hey baby deer, you don't do that. Like, you do it gently, slowly, you do it affectionately, that's why number two, write this down, amazing sex is affectionate. It's tender. It's compassionate, and I believe because we've abandoned God's way when it comes to sex and sexuality, and listen, I don't have any data to back this up and, or studies to show this, so you can reject this if you want to, um, but I think sex has become incredibly self-serving, self-stimulating, self-gratifying. Guys, you don't have to look You know, very far to to hear stuff on the radio or on TV late at night that's, you know, commercials offering you these pills to enhance your sex life. Guys, you need this. This is gonna make it better. This is gonna make it more pleasurable. You know, you're gonna be the man with this. It's all self serving, it's all self stimulating. In fact, the porn industry is a multi billion dollar industry. Multi-billion dollars, bringing in more in a year in revenue than the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey combined. In fact, right now, there are no fewer than 1.6 million pornographic videos being streamed on the internet. 38% of all internet content is porn. What's that about? That's all about self-gratification. That's all about self-stimulation. And I promise you, if you get back to affirmation and affection, the result in your relationship is amazing sex. Verse six, then he says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Translation, right? All night long. He's like, I'm gonna take my time. I'm not in a a rush here. He says, I'm gonna go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Now notice he talks about Two mountains, and he names them. And that means exactly what you think it means. And so, number three, if you want to write this down, is amazing, sex is passionate. Man, it's passionate. And the devil and the world would have you believe that if you want to do it God's way is boring, it's sterile. It's dull, it's just for procreation, you know, there's nothing to it at all. It's not passionate, it's not fun, but that's just not true. That's not how he designed it. In fact, something I hear from time to time from couples that'll come see me, maybe they're on the brink of divorce or, or they're struggling in some area, and maybe you've said this in your own relationship, so this is really gonna hit home, is many times you'll say, well, I think I'm just falling out of love. Have you heard that before? I'm just falling out of love. Let me tell you something you don't fall out of love. It's a process of not investing in it. It is a cumulative effect of you not investing, not not putting into that relationship. Again, it's kind of like it's kind of like fire. Right? I love I love fire. I love the crackling of it. I love the warmth of it of a of a real fire. You put logs on the fire. But building a fire and putting that all together, it takes work, doesn't it? And if you want it to continue to burn, if you want to reap the the rewards of that fire, man, it it can be a pain. You got to go outside. You got to get the logs. You got to, you know, chop the wood. You know, you got to go to the pile and dust the snow off or or whatever, right? It can be a real pain. But if I want that fire, I got to invest in it. And the same goes for your relationship. I'm, I'm just saying this. You don't fall out of love. You don't. The truth is, you just get lazy, and you stop investing in that relationship. Now, now at our house, we have a gas fireplace. All I got to do is go flip a switch, and it's on. And the reality is, many of us, that's how we approach sex in our relationship. Like, we just flip a switch, and it becomes this, this routine where there's no love, there's no uh, investing in that. It's lazy, and great sex is not lazy. It's passionate it's passionate like make an investment in that like have a date night like go out overnight and some of you I've heard the pushback say we can't have a date night it's hard to find somebody watch the kids listen do this this is what my wife does and she's incredible at it before the kids get home from school set their clocks ahead like two hours (laughs) and they'll come home and they'll just play around and then want to look at the clock what it's eight o'clock already Yeah, it's time to go to bed. Let's go eat and go to bed, right? It's only 6 o'clock, but they don't know that. (laughs) Like, my wife is awesome at that. Sometimes we just, hey, man, let's get these kids to bed. You need to make an investment in that. Guys, light some candles, you know? Say some things. Be affirming in that. Invest, invest, invest. You know, chop wood. Put a log on the fire. Invest in that relationship. And by the way, just like women are aroused and stimulated by what they hear, ladies your guy, and I can't help it. This is the way God made us. He's stimulated and aroused by what he sees. So, some of you need to throw away that nightgown that was handed down from generation to generation that's like four inches thick. You know the one I'm talking about? It's like a hazmat suit, and nothing's getting in or getting out of that thing. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's comfortable. For what, working at the CDC? Is comfortable for that, that's great. What are you fighting, Ebola? I don't know, I don't know if that makes sense. Like invest in it, and guys, you don't have to come to bed stinky and sweaty, you can take a shower, amen? Ladies, amen? You don't have to smell like gasoline and yard work and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm just saying, if you want this part of your relationship to thrive, you want the passion back, you need to invest in it, and you discover that you're going to fall back into love. That fire only burns where there's fuel. And the problem is, some of you, you've been giving fuel to other places, and you're all tapped out. Maybe it's to your work. Maybe it's to your hobbies. Maybe you've, you've invested, you've put fuel into someone else. And I'm saying, if you want to have great, amazing sex, we need to restore our passion. Look at verse 7 says this, all beautiful, underline that, all beautiful. If you remember back to the first week, um, she didn't feel beautiful, beautiful. In fact, she was very insecure about the way she looked. She said, don't stare at me, you know, because I've been darkened by the sun, don't, don't look at me. So she was insecure about that, but in verse seven, this guy's doing all the talking, he's admiring her, right, he's showing affection. He says, all beautiful you are, my darling, there is no flaw in you. There's no flaw. You're perfect. What did he do? He made the decision to say, you are my standard of beauty. You're it. And ladies, you have a standard of what you think the perfect guy should be, or what your husband should be. Guys, you have a, a standard. In fact, the world wants to change your standard from, honey, you are it. You're perfect to, you will never look like her. And you need to develop that. You need to make a decision that they are your standard of beauty. I've made, I made my choice. What is it now? Nineteen years ago when we got married, nineteen years this summer, that Kristen, she's my standard of beauty. Like like I'm sorry, I don't get offended by this, but I think she is the most beautiful woman on earth. Like, no one holds a candle to her. You can't touch her. She's most beautiful, most godly. Like, she is my standard of beauty. In fact, in my phone, the caller ID comes up. It says my standard of beauty for the last almost five years. I get confused sometimes. I'm like, what is that? I- oh, yeah, yeah, that's my standard of beauty. Just saying. Just being honest. But she's my standard of beauty. And if you want amazing sex, you need to make sure, ladies, he's your standard, Guys, she's your your standard of beauty. Redefine that. And you need to understand that amazing sex is secure. Because if they feel that way, there's security. There's protection in that. You've created a place where they feel safe. Where they feel like, you know what, you're never going to compromise. I'm your standard. You love each other through those insecurities like he was doing with this girl. And by the way, men... You should never make a negative comment about your spouse's body, like ever. And I've heard, I've heard men, I've heard dads tell their girls, just call them fat this, fat that. It's, it's unbelievable. You should never do that. Even if you think that, that she thinks you're kidding, that it's a joke, you should never do that. You should always reassure them, always affirm them in every single way and ladies rejection comes from you too because if if you feel insecure about something more than likely it's it's something physical it could be you know some looks or something like that that you feel insecure about a guy feels insecure about his abilities and his ability to perform and many times sexually like seriously like And if all it is from you is, is constantly rejection after rejection, or I don't feel like it tonight, you know, or I got a headache, that does something to him. It really does. And if he can't find that, that in you, and it's not that he's just this, guys get a bad rap sometimes, like they're this, this horn dog, right, that can't live without it, and that's not what it is. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to feel like he is able to fulfill you in that way. And when he can't or you won't let him, it makes him feel less than a man. And so he's going to try to find that security somewhere else in his work, in his hobby, in hunting, in whatever it is, or in someone else. And I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying you had a role in that if it was just constant rejection, 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 rejection. And it's true, right? Men desire, you know sex 99.9 times more 99 percent more than women do like there's scientific studies to prove that in fact i read one this week that says men prefer sex on days of the week that begin with the letter t tuesday thursday today tomorrow tonight tatters day ton day like every day of the week right we just needed that moment didn't we we just needed that i felt it was getting a little tense we just needed whew, we just needed to loosen up but really create a safe environment create a safe place let them know that they are your standard of beauty i promise you that will lead to amazing sex verse 9 says you have stolen my heart my sister my bride you've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes with one jewel of your necklace how delightful is your love my sister my bride how much more pleasing is your love than why? Guys, just go home tonight. Just quote this to them. I promise you. To help you out. Your lips drop sweetness. Milk and honey are under your tongue. How does he know that? You know what that is? That's a French kiss. In fact, it's not really a French kiss because you know France wouldn't have been around for the next 1,900 years or so. So this is a Hebrew kiss, and God invented it, right? God invented tonsil hockey. It's right here. That just means your God is awesome. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Verse 12, notice what he values now. We talked about this at the close of last week. He says, I'm so fired up that you waited for me. That no one else has touched you. You're a garden that's been locked up, my sister, my bride. You're a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Your plants or an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits and all the finest spices. You're a garden, a fountain, a well flowing, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. He just valued the fact that she was virtuous. And I implore you, implore you all, don't like, don't let the world be your standard. Like have have purity. If you're in an inappropriate relationship, like end it today. End it today. Like from this day forward, choose to do something different. Young people, man, save yourself for, for this moment that we're looking at it today. In fact, we're, we've been studying uh, a little bit about this with our, our youth, with your, your high schoolers and middle schoolers, and people will ask all the time, especially at that age, you know, they'll come up and say, hey, well, Pastor Colby, Pastor Colby, how far is too far? How far is too far? Maybe you've heard that question before. And I always say that's the wrong question to ask. You shouldn't be asking how far is too far. It's like saying, how close can I get to the edge before I go over, right? How close can I get to the danger zone before I get burned up? It's the wrong question. Instead of asking how, how, how close can I get, ask how close can I get to God? But honestly, if I, I was to give an answer, and some of you, again, you're gonna think I'm a relic, I think when it gets to this point of that open mouth kiss, that's too far. Because once it gets to this point, honestly, you have begun something. You've started a process that was never intended to be interrupted. That's how far too far is. You Think what you want to think. But my personal opinion is at that point right there. And I want you to know something. If you want to experience sex at its highest level, not what the world has to offer but what God has to offer, the last thing to write down is this, amazing sex is holy. It's holy. Red Book Magazine, which is a secular magazine, they came out with an article uh, that said, to their surprise, there was a correlation between heightened, a heightened sexual experience and those people who had spiritual backgrounds, those people who were, who were Christians. In other words, if you love Jesus and love your spouse, it was a heightened sexual experience. Experience And to that, I would say, no duh. Like, God knew that 3,000 years ago, like, when this was written. And this was written. That was his design. That was his purpose all along. And then we've closed the service the last couple of weeks with a verse that says, do not arouse, do not awaken love until it's time. In fact, two times, you know, this, this girl was, hey, let's go. I, I want you. I want you. And he shut it down. He shut it down twice, but not this time. And now she speaks up in verse 16 and says, Awake north wind. That's a strong wind. And come south wind. That's a a gentle wind. That's a gentle breeze. And blow on my garden. And that means exactly what you think it means. (laughs) That its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden and taste his choice fruits. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. And <laughs> hey, let's do this. Would you bow your head with me? I realized that in this moment, again, there might be a, a lot of mixed feelings about this. Those of you that, that are, are far from God and you're just trying to figure this whole thing out and, and this seems foreign to you. I understand that. I understand that but you can even look back over your life and see all the decisions that you've made that have not been a part of this parameter that that God has established. And I bet it's led to guilt and shame and destruction. And maybe those of you that are followers of Jesus, and today, you know what? You, You would say, I haven't been living according to God's word. I've compromised in areas I know the path that it's taking me, but I want the best. I want want the best God has to offer for my marriage or my future marriage. I want the best God has to offer for for sex and and for sexuality and and sexual purity. And today he's, again, just putting his finger on areas of your life, asking you to, to change. Like we don't want to come through these doors every single week and, and leave here the same that we came in, but we need to make some, some changes. The world has been defining sex and sexuality. They've been picking up the slack where we have been silent, and today I believe God wants us to redefine what it looks like. So maybe you are convicted, and again, conviction is not condemnation. Convicted is you got to change. Convicted is... God's Spirit speaking to your heart and wants you to do better and wants more for you than what you're currently experiencing. And so that's my prayer for those of you. Today, you're a follower of Jesus, but you know God wants better. It's time to stop and make better choices like from this day forward. And for those of you that maybe you walked through these doors today, you didn't know what to think, and you're just checking this whole thing out, But God's word has hit you like a ton of bricks. That's his spirit drawing you to him. So you've been trying to do this on your own and no longer should you. Look what is left, this wake of of destruction, maybe divorce and disaster and broken relationships and failed attempts. But you've been doing this on your own today. You don't want to anymore. And today you understand that God so loves you that he sent his son to die for you to have a right relationship with God so that in the moment you confess your sins, you believe in him and his salvation, that he forgives you. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. In fact, he says, don't you dare hold on to that anymore because my grace will cover all of that sufficient for you. And so that's where you are today saying, you know what? I I need that. I need a fresh start. I need to start... My life new with God. I want him to forgive me. I want him to live inside my heart. I want to do this better. And so maybe that's where you are today. And if that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you. That's the way we commit our lives to follow Jesus. And if if you'd say, Colby, count me in on that prayer when you pray, wherever you are in this room, just raise your hand. You say, I want to commit my life to him today too. It's just between you and God. I simply want to pray with you today. Awesome. God bless you. Awesome. Pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. You can pray it in your heart. Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. I want to live according to your word. And so I know I need your spirit inside of me to do that, to enable me, to help me, to walk the road that you've marked out, this race that you have for me. And so today I ask you to forgive my sin. And I believe that through Jesus, your son has sacrificed his life to cover all my past, all my present, my future, that his blood covers it all. And today I'm made new, whiter than snow, been washed, and I have a new life in Christ Jesus, your Lord, your Savior. I confess you. And from this moment on, I choose to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.